Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about change orders, getting the coding right, with the help of special guest Trevor Robertson of Innovative Design Build in Atlanta, Georgia. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host, Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hey, everyone. Tim Fowler here, and welcome to another what I think is going to be a great episode of the Tim Fowler Show. This is a topic that was requested, and I just want to reinforce that I appreciate it when people write in and say, hey, can you do this? Because uh, it helps me to make sure that I get stuff on the air that's uh, helpful for everybody. So if you have an idea, send it to me at Tim at RemodelersAdvantage.com. So the request came in to talk about change orders again. And I don't say that uh, in a negative way, because it's probably a topic that really needs to be talked about over and over and over again, uh, because it just doesn't get done well in our industry. And so while we're going to be talking about some general change order stuff, there's also a lot of chatter out there in my world about how do you track this stuff? How do you track the cost versus the estimate of a change order? And so you know, do you just add it to the body of the estimate? In other words, if you had $1,000 under a task and you added $400 in changes, does the, does the new estimate simply become $1,400? Or do you create your own cost code for them? Like when I was a production manager, framing was 106. And if it was a change order, it was 106.020 that created a change order. And of course that created an extra layer of you know, reporting by our lead carpenters to make sure that we got everything right. So do we do it like that? Or maybe some companies I think actually have like one cost code number that's all the change orders written for a job. And so there's like cost code number 30 change orders, you know, $1,200 for all the change orders estimated, actual cost, $800 and, and whatnot. And so we're going to be talking about a lot of different things here. And probably no matter what we say today, somebody's going to have a different answer, but we're the experts today on this. So listen up and learn from some folks that are making it work. Let's go, Steve. All right. So Trevor Robertson has been the project manager for Innovative Design Build for over five years. He specialized in custom residential renovations in the greater Atlanta area. Trevor consistently demonstrates that change orders are not a problem, but an opportunity for increased profit and also customer satisfaction. Welcome to the show, Trevor. I appreciate it. Good to be here. Hey, uh, really appreciate it. Those of you who listen to this show, often you'll recognize uh, Innovative design build out of Atlanta. Eric Bain, the production manager has been on and one of the other project managers has been on with us. And so we like to use them as a resource because they seem to be doing things pretty well uh, in that part of the world. So Trevor, just give us a little bit more about your role at Innovative Design uh, B- Design Build. Tell us a little bit more about what the project manager does. Well, 
I mean, in addition to managing all the subs and the in-house labor, um, you know, on-site daily and all that, um, as far as change orders go, um, our process is, is basically that um, before the job starts, um, the whole project is basically handed over to the project manager and the production team through a series of in-house meetings. Um, and then ultimately it's, it's handed off <clears throat> to the production team um, in front of the client at the pre-construction meeting. Mm-hmm. So basically from that point forward, um, if there are any change orders, um, whether unforeseen or requested by the client, they go directly to the project manager and we handle them um, pretty much from start to finish. So um, pretty much regardless of size, regardless of scope, we would actually handle all of it from the estimating to um, presenting it, putting putting it into our builder trend system, and then ultimately releasing it and, um, you know, assuming it's approved at that time, we would put all the pieces together to make it happen. So do you have any kind of a form or a a template that you use for like estimating and making sure you've got everything accurate for that change order? Or is it just a yellow pad with a pen and you're writing down what you think it needs to be done? Is there any kind of form that goes with this? Um. I mean, in our builder trend system, which is what we use for pretty much everything, um, we would enter each line item into that program. And okay. then that's where we would we would type everything out. Now, I mean, we could write it all down or, you know, obviously there's some prep work to that, um, yeah. figuring out the material we need or talking to the subs, getting their pricing and all that. But yeah, we, we would enter that all into the system line item by line item, mark that up, put in a description, and then, you know, send it to the homeowner. So I was just going to ask that question. I know Builder Trend has sort of added this wrinkle, which I'm not sure I'm comfortable with. I I actually want to be there when the client starts reading the change order, but do you guys just send it as an email and they get a chance to look it over and then sign it and send it back? Or are there some times when you guys actually are there sort of presenting, if you will? Uh, yeah, I mean, typically it's it's understood that a change order is being processed or being created. Um, you know, they're talked about in our weekly walkthroughs with our homeowners. So we never just create a change order and send it, you know, without it being discussed. Yeah, okay, good. Now, if they know, let's say last week we talked about adding some data lines or whatever, um, like I would just send it a few days later. Right. Certain things within reason don't really need to be discussed um, face-to-face at the time it's sent. Now, again, it's communicated before, and then if it gets really large, then yeah, ideally it's best to run through it face-to-face with the homeowner, you know, preferably on site. Um, right. And that way, you know, they can see what they're going to pay for, especially, like I said, when it gets when it gets in the thousands of dollars range. Yeah, yeah. 
So Eric uh, actually said you were really, really good at your change orders. And so I'm kind of wondering what you think is behind. What's the reason why you're really good? I, I, there, It's a mystery to me sometimes where some people are really good at doing change orders and some people are just really terrible at it. So what do you think it is about you that makes it work for you in terms of not only writing, but getting these change orders through this through the through the process. Yeah. So before I joined Innovative, um, I worked for a flooring subcontractor where okay. I where I basically did estimates and sales, and then I also managed the crews. So um, estimating was a big part of my pro- my job, and um, you know making sure the numbers were accurate also directly impacted my commission structure. So, (laughs) you know, if I was making bad estimates, I was making bad money. So um, it's just something I'm used to and comfortable doing. And, um, you know, I'm not worried about presenting the cost to the homeowner, you know, the, the right. cost is kind of the cost typically. So um, I think a lot of fear goes into that of what the homeowner is expecting versus what, you know, the price comes out to be. So um, just, I don't know, being confident in your numbers and yeah, making sure you do it right the first time. Cause you know, I never try and ask me afterwards. It's, you either hit it or you you miss it, learn, move on. Yeah. So do you, no, I don't. I can't remember uh, in my conversations with anyone there. Do you actually have a bonus structure where profit? You're bonused a little bit by profitability. Um. No. Not. Okay. Not at this company. That was. Okay. You know, my position before, but I mean, we we do get a bonus. So every dollar we make, I mean. Yeah. So there's still a little bit of that financial motivation behind it as you as you get into it right uh yes sir. yeah all right so i guess i mean you kind of answered this a little bit but i'm kind of curious as to know how long did it take you to kind of learn the system if you will um at innovative uh just you know when you came on as a project manager obviously where you were used to quoting numbers to clients and you know, making sure that the company got paid, but how long did it take you to really embrace the change order setup there? Yeah, it took a while. I mean, when I first started, like we didn't have that process at all. It was um, still in question who would even provide the change orders. So, you know, the sales team didn't want to give that up quite yet because they weren't comfortable with, you know, it working out properly. So at the beginning, we would, we would potentially put the numbers together and get the bids together and then send it back to the salesperson, have it approved and then send it back. But it just took too long. And um, with the way we manage jobs, like the salesperson at that time could be completely removed from the job. Um, You know, not that they don't, follow up with the project, but they don't know the day-to-day happenings. So um, we just found that over time, like it just made more sense for us to absorb it. Um, You know, sometimes they get large and, you know, we do 
kind of circle back and just have the numbers kind of checked compared right. to you know what their thoughts are. But um, you know, it took a while um, until finally we just had it going and we have it in our processes. So it's part of what we do now. So was it mostly a matter of speed and convenience that it moved from sales into the project manager's hands? Yeah. And a lot of unforeseen issues, you know, they need to be reacted to immediately. Right. So there's, right. there's no time to, to wait and, you know, with people's schedules and, you know, let's say they're out of town or who knows. I mean, it just made more sense for us to do it. And, you know, change orders oftentimes add, add schedule days. So yep. the longer it takes to figure out a number and have it approved, the longer it pushes out the job and so on and so forth. So before Steve jumps in here, What's the biggest change order you've ever sold while you're there at Innovative? Uh, a dollar amount? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a just a random. It, yeah, give me an idea. Like thirty thousand dollars. Thirty thousand. Yeah, that's a wow. big number. That's almost like for many people, that's almost like selling a job. So, uh, yeah, that that's a big number. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, Tim. The second you said, you know, what makes him good at. Uh, you know, doing change orders. I was going to chime in and say, were you in sales? But, you know, I kind of <laughs> guess that. But um, so you mentioned kind of the time limit on, uh, well, there being you know, time constraints on a change order for unforeseen. What's the delineation there of things that you expect as an unforeseen? Like, what are your guidelines there? What would give me some examples of an unforeseen change order? I mean, a lot of it's, you know, when we open up walls and the plumbing is not to code, the electrical is not to code, there's wood rot, um, the framing is missing, headers are cut, I mean, you name it. So a lot of it's basically when we open up walls. I mean, our sales team and our estimating team, they all do a really good job. Like our scopes are really tight. Our CAs are really long, but that's important because they're, you know, really detailed. But I mean, you don't know what you're getting into until you open something up. So basically, it's unexpected. Something was potentially done poorly or or wrong. Nothing you could have seen in your estimating process. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So one of the things that I often talk about with companies is setting expectations. Is there anything particular that you do in that pre-construction meeting, you as a project manager, where you're essentially setting the client up for these unexpected, because that t that tends to be the place where we get the most fight from clients. In other words, if a client comes to us and says, I want to put another window in, it's like, that's what I want. But it's these unexpected things that they tend to push back and say, maybe things like, shouldn't you have seen that or something like that? How do you, how do you set the client up? And that sounds like a bad bad thing, but how do you set the expectations that, hey, we're going to run into these things? Um, during our pre-construction meeting, I mean, it is discussed. It's um, brought to everyone's attention that, you know, change orders can be unexpected. You know, as much as we don't want them, they're, they're, they're very common. Yeah. Uh, they're almost unavoidable. I mean, to be honest, in my experience, um, and with those unexpecteds, like, you just kind of have to be empathetic. Like, we don't really want 
to present <laughs> these change orders either, you know? Yeah. Um, nobody wants to do that kind of work. So, you know, just making it known that we can't see behind walls and we, we can't expect to find certain issues. Um, now, if it's something that we think we missed or may have been, you know, overseen a little bit, yeah. then, you know, sometimes we'll just cover it to keep the relationship because usually that's at the beginning of the project. So, you know, you get into these poorly built homes or rotten bands <laughs> and all that. And, yeah, yeah. You, know, you still have a couple months of the project left. So you, you're trying to keep a relationship as well. Yeah. Um, and then just, you know, being honest and saying, hey, look, this this needs to be fixed. We're going to fix it. And we're sorry that this happened, but this, <laughs> this has to happen. So, yeah, you don't run around going, oh, boy, oh, boy, more money. <laughs> that would yeah. that would ruin the relationship quickly. So let's talk a little bit about this coding thing that I mentioned in the intro. So it, as as detailed as you can, how do you guys like when you do the estimate? Does it like if it's a framing change, does it go into framing as a general category or can you see that the change order for framing had a thousand dollars extra so that you can track costs against that? How do you how do you do that? Yes, yes and no. <laughs> so, okay. um you know, let's say we have a budget for framing of $10,000 and there's a $1,000 change order for framing. Um, you know, in our budget, it would increase from 10000 to 11000 Right. And then, you know, as the job progresses, um, you know, we could see if we hit our number or if we didn't hit our number. Um, but the way we track it is is through separating kind of what our change order profit margin is versus what our initial profit margin was at the job sold. Right. You know, on a $100,000 project, you know, let's say we have $5,000 of change orders, but we spent 3,000, so we'd say we made 2,000, like we would have that percentage. So we can, we can't track it down you know, but so much, um, okay. but we can track the overall kind of profit margin to see if we're close to what we, we sold it at. And, uh, and you've just opened up a, another topic here. And like, do you actually have a different profit margin on, you don't have to share the numbers, but is your profit margin different on change orders uh, deliberately? No, we just, we try and keep it the same. Okay. Um, the reality is I, I don't think we meet that a lot of the times. Um, but, you know, again, it's just trying to keep the relationship and um, a lot of the change orders are typically unforeseen. So, you know, trying to keep the job moving. Um, but no. So are you seeing any kind of increase in profitability as as a job goes through when change orders are added? Uh, 
No, I'd say it stays the same. Okay. Or, or it's less profitable. Okay. And the job sold. Okay. So hopefully it's being sold enough where you have room for a little slippage there and still maintain a good, uh, good net profit. So uh, hopefully that, that works well. So I guess one of the things that I, I know I experienced when I was a production manager was we had a hard time getting our field staff to really focus on this is labor directly related to a change order versus labor that's directly related to original costs. And I guess, uh, do you have any kind of experience like that? Or is it because it's all lumped together, it seems like maybe that's not an issue. Maybe that's one of the benefits of not separating them out into different cut cost codes. Yeah, we don't do that. You know, we don't separate it into different cost codes. Um, so it is a little, I guess, vague, but because we track our budgets weekly, um, we can usually kind of tell if we're tracking well or not. And then if we add yeah. change orders, we would know if okay we money on them or not. So, um, you know, when we're using a trade partner, like if they give us a number, you know, we mark it up and we typically make that number. Now, yeah. when we use our in-house guys, it can be a little harder to track because I may estimate it takes 10 hours and it really took 12. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about, you know, a, a small amount um, in the scheme of things. So it's really about tracking the budget on a weekly basis to be able to figure out if our change orders are are profitable or not. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how we figure that out. So but so, so tell us a little bit more about that. How does that work at Innovative with this weekly tracking? Because many companies they let it go and let it go and let it go and then they go, ooh, we're not, you know, we're off. So how do you guys do that weekly tracking? What's the process for that? Uh, well, we typically have a weekly meeting with, um, you know, Eric, our production manager, and we'll go through the budget of each of each job, you know, line item by line item. Um, we'll look at the numbers. We'll kind of say, hey, this week, hey, this week we missed this. I think we're going to lose $500 or okay. maybe we made money on this item and then we um, enter it weekly. And then we're able to kind of track it from the beginning of the job to the end. So that way at the end of the job, we don't all of a sudden say, oh, no, we're $10,000 over budget. <laughs> yeah. we, we would pretty much say, oh, yeah, I knew I was $9,000 over budget. And then we lost $1,000 on punch out. So I, I knew we were at $10,000 already. So right. that's right. how we do that. Yeah, that's, re that's really cool. So. This has been really good. Uh, some good general information about about changes. So maybe to kind of wrap things up, what what little bit of advice would you give to companies maybe that has made innovative really good at this change order process that they might be able to put into place? Well, I guess I mean, in my experience, you just have to trust the the people on the ground to do the change orders. I think that they have the most information available to them and they have the relationship with the homeowners um, on a day-to-day -day basis. So like keeping that relationship 
positive is, is really important to the, the benefit of the job. Um, and I mean, just being able to track it, um, you know, trying to mark it up enough to where you can keep an, keep an even, even keel throughout the project. And again, yeah. just trying to, I guess, keep, keep a good relationship, um, with the homeowners. Yeah. And Trevor, I just want to touch a little bit more on the hesitation that some PMs or lead carpenters may have on uh, introducing the change order to the client and, you know, hesitation on pricing, the delivery point. If you were training someone new to either, you know, replace you or, or do, you know, be another project manager, would you do some sort of sales training or, or how would you, you matched incentive to, you know, the way that you do it. You said, I used to be, you know, estimator and salesperson for flooring company um, because that's how you got paid. It's not necessarily the case, but you know, there's an awareness that, you know, that if you do the change order the company makes money, you know, you have that connection. How would you train or explain? Would you add sales training into project management? I mean, how would you bring that piece to make them better at uh, you know, put, uh, introducing change orders to the client? Because it is an issue. Well, I I mean, I know from experience, like a bonus structure is a very positive thing. Um, I I'm not sure how common it is in the construction industry, right. um, but you know, every dollar we make, you know, the company as a whole makes, and there's the potential for everyone in the company to make a little bit more. So, like every action that we make, no matter what it is, how large or how small does impact, you know, our profitability. So um, just making people aware of that and, um, you know, having them involved and in maybe budgetary discussions and stuff really kind of opens a whole new doorway. So um, it, I think it makes them feel important. Like they, they do have a say when maybe they don't think they do at the beginning. Yeah, and you're never swayed by Trevor while you're here. There's this door I need hung, you know, all the time. But um, <laughs> where we where we can, you know, we'll help. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's 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 inevitable. Um, I think it's just human nature to, you know, while you're here. Yeah, and then I you think, know, it's easier to I say, think, yeah, we'll do it for free than to, you know, it's a lot easier not to charge someone. Um, right. for extras than it is to, you know, keep them happy as well. But you got to find a healthy balance. There's a balance, yeah. Yeah, I think Steve was hinting at the idea of some sales training, but I think also part of the challenge is financial training as well, because Trevor, you're talking about this, like, you know, the bonus and things like that, but not everybody understands how that how the connection, how their actions impact a bonus structure. And so, Financial and you know financial uh, savvy literacy. Yeah. literacy is also huge in terms of making this really work. Well, Trevor, this has been great. Really appreciate you taking some time and um, just sharing some of the the cool things you guys are doing there with the change orders. And uh, I know it'll be a refresher for some folks, but for other folks, it'll be an eye opener. I think there are little tidbits of information in there that we got that that. Uh, our, our golden nuggets. So we really appreciate you taking some time today. All right. Thank you for being here.
Thank you, Trevor. Take care. Tim, every time I think that we can't learn something new or squeeze the juice <laughs> from this change order information, uh, somebody from the innovative team design build shows up and gives us, you know, a new perspective, additional information on ways that we can capitalize on, you know, collecting and uh, performing change orders. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of really good stuff in here. And like I said, right there at the end, some companies are going to go like, oh yeah, we, we got it. Others are going to go like, hey, that's a great idea. Just shifting it from sales to the project managers. And we talked about that a little bit as to, you know, the efficiency of, of getting them to do it versus waiting for somebody in the office to do all the calculating. I think you heard Trevor say every now and then when the number gets big, they're going to bounce it off somebody else just to make sure when, when they're getting ready to, you know, present that. I keyed in on this weekly meeting thing. And I know that's a huge part of why they're successful is they have this regular conversation, each project manager with the production manager about how's the job doing financially and they can make adjustments. You know, in other words, if, if Trevor's thinking like, maybe I can give something away and he and Eric meet and they go like, whoa, we're, we're running behind. I'm just guessing he's not going to give something away. He's going to say, no, I got to hold hold to my guns there. And so that weekly, in other words, it's not totally up to him to bear the burden of all this. He's got this uh, this support uh, person in there. Um, and I think, Steve, what you brought up there toward the end, I do like the idea of some sales training. Obviously, Trevor comes from sales. Uh, and so he, he's aware of how to talk with clients about various things. And like he said, I'm not afraid of the numbers, but a lot of carpenters, a lot of project managers or people coming into that role are afraid of big numbers, especially if you get up to $30,000, you know, that that's a number that a lot of us are afraid of. And so learning, you know, having financial uh, literacy as well as some sales training, I think is a really, really good thing. Great. Well, this has been another fantastic show. So we want to thank Trevor Robertson for joining us today. And we always want to thank you for listening to another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. And remember, at The Tim Fowler Show, we're working hard to eliminate it is what it is from your vocabulary. This has been another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com slash consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.